0: We're continuing on in our series focusing on prayer and growing deeper through prayer, growing deeper in Christ through prayer. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, praying for people, or more broadly, praying for opportunity, for God to open opportunities for each of us through prayer to be able to see how he's calling us to connect with this world. Opportunity is one of those important words. I wanna start this morning with a question like I did last week. Um, And it's a question about something that seems kind of obvious, but have you noticed how difficult it is to focus these days? Yeah. I literally had trouble focusing yesterday because I had my contacts in too long and when I finally switched to my glasses it's like my this is this is kind of what what I was struggling to see it's like my eyes weren't focusing properly but when we take a step back and we actually think more broadly it's really hard to focus on anything we're so busy our world is going so fast i heard a speaker one time say that our biological bodies are actually designed for the speed of camel travel. And yet we have to go on, you cannot bring your camel on highway four, or you'll die. Literally, yes. So it's no wonder that we have trouble in this life, not only focusing, but just struggling to survive and live. It feels as though everything is competing for our attention, we have endless to-do lists. Just as soon as you check something off of your list, if you're a list checker, there's usually one or two or three or five more things that get added on at the end. There's always things that need to get done. There's always things that are competing for our attention and there's never enough time to seemingly finish everything that we want to finish. This is, this is supposed to be a help. It was supposed to be a blessing, but sometimes I increasingly think that this, in many ways, can be a a curse more than a blessing. And even though there are some wonderful benefits, like for instance, to have the Bible app on my home screen is wonderful. But the problem with even the Bible app is that there are 17,000, actually there's 1.6 million other apps that are competing for our attention. And so it's hard to focus even on the word of God, which we know if you are a child of God is important and should be one of our primary focuses, but it's so difficult. Even when you're on the Bible app, your phone can interrupt you if you don't have all of your notifications turned off. And so it can be hard even to stay in the word on your phone. Sometimes it's good to actually have a hard copy. Every now and then. Now when you're traveling, it can be very convenient to have it on your phone as well. Other than bringing the big old thick Bible with you. Amid the busyness, not only do we have trouble focused, but we're often too distracted. We're distracted and we sometimes forget to even do the simple things. Like read the word and pray. When we are distracted, the problem with this is, and this is why our phones can be a curse at times... We don't notice what's going on right around us or what's right in front of us. We're unaware of the people that God has even, is even bringing into our path in the moment because we're too distracted or we're, we're looking at that squirrel or listening to that bird that's cheeping out there right now or the man that just walked past the window there. You know, so our, we're, It's like we're constant ADHD people all the time, whether you have it or not. Distraction can also keep us from praying. It can make us unfocused and unable to see the opportunities that God is presenting or leading you, hoping that you will see right in front of you. Opportunities to connect with other people. Opportunities to be part of his kingdom work in this world. Or as the apostle Paul likes to use, be co-laborers with Christ. That if you are a child of God, if you follow Jesus, you're actually invited to be a co-laborer with Jesus Christ. And when we're too busy or too distracted, it's hard to even see what's in front of us. In this series, we're exploring how prayer offers different opportunities for us to go deeper. We want to be able to join God in making his world a more just and caring place. And this thing that's buzzing in my back pocket makes it very difficult. This is just one example. We have many, many examples. Now in the Bible, the Apostle Paul experienced a deep connection with Christ through prayer. And through that connection that he developed in prayer with the Lord of the universe, he was able to see doors open that he could never have dreamed of God opened doors he couldn't even see or didn't even consider in his mind's eye. Paul came to know that prayer would actually reveal opportunities to interact and share the good news through his words and his actions and his experiences. So let's turn in the word of God to the book of Colossians or the letter of Colossians. And we're going to focus on just a couple of verses right towards the end in chapter 4. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. I will read this from the physical Word of God this morning. Paul writes this Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, he says. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Guilty. Seasoned with salt. Sometimes. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul writes with very few words in this instance, and he writes this great encouragement out of his experience in dealing with diverse people in diverse cities and populations, doing what he felt God had called him to do. He begins by encouraging all of God's children, even though he was speaking specifically to first century Christians and their context, his words are still timeless for us as the word of God because they speak to us today. In essence, his words are words spoken to us as well, encouraging us to first be devoted to prayer. As he says in verse two, devoted is that word It shows up in the Bible occasionally and it means committed, dedicated, constant. It's almost thinking of operating your life with the right attitude where you're in that prayerful state. And when I hear that, I cringe a little bit because I know that's not how I always operate. It's hard to be in a prayerful state when we're in our distracted, busy world. Paul has learned through his life that this regular communication with God, prayer, is the one that is the way that connects him most closely to God. And when he's connected to God, as we said last week, that was one of the things prayer does it connects us to God. It actually helps us to be more aligned with his will and his ways. When you are talking, it's like when you are in regular conversation with another person you have a much better sense of where they're at and maybe what they're saying. If I'm in regular conversation with my spouse, then I have a better chance that I'm gonna be aligned with her concerns. And it's the same or similar with God. The more we're in conversation with God, the more we are aligned with his will. When we talk with God regularly, just like when we talk regularly with people, the channels are open. And clearer. It's easier to understand one another the more you talk. And it becomes easier to recognize the leading of God's voice when we're regularly talking with him through prayer. Prayer actually kind of works, it like conditions our eyes. It helps us to be more alert and watchful of what's happening around us as well. Rather than keeping our eyes tied to our screens. All of this works to help us trust God more and gives us opportunity to give him thanks for those opportunities and those doors that he opens for us. In this section of Colossians, Paul also asks for prayer too because he recognizes it's not just him praying with God, but he also benefits from the prayers of the people that he's with. And that's one of our calls as well that we not only need to be praying with God, but we should willingly ask for help, ask other people to help pray for us, so that we can be doing and being who God wants us to be in this world. One of the great things about being devoted to prayer is that we learn to come to God at any time. Wherever your tank is at, whether you are full to the brim or whether you are empty running on fumes, Prayer helps us realize we can come to God no matter where we're at. You don't even have to have a Costco gas membership to pray. Wherever your tank is at, turn to the Lord. Prayer is like oxygen for our faith. It's like a cool drink of water in a dry desert. If that's where you find yourself right now, I encourage you to pray and pray more and to ask others to pray for you. The very act of being faithful to pray can renew you, whether you know it or not. It can renew you as you experience God's presence and begin to fill your heart with gratitude, even if you're exhausted. It's the power of prayer. Paul rightly encourages us in this to be devoted to prayer. He knows that prayer has the power to reveal opportunities that you've never considered to share how Christ has made a difference in your life. Be devoted to prayer when we wake, throughout the day, and at the end. And when we act in this way and when we get into these rhythms, these healthy rhythms, we then come to realize thank you, God for providing this opportunity not only to talk to you, but for opening my eyes to the world around me. Paul says more than just be devoted to prayer. This is what I think his next thing that he would say is, be faithful where you are. From verses three and four. Be faithful where you are or if you want to add a few letters, wherever you are. Paul was on house arrest when he wrote this. Yet he continued to proclaim the good news of Jesus right where he was. When we realize he's writing this while he's in chains, our first in the, our first inclination might be, Why wouldn't he pray for the chains to just come off, for him to be free? Wouldn't he have had more impact? Wouldn't he have been more effective? Wouldn't he have reached more people for Christ if he was only free? Instead, Paul prays to be faithful right where he is at. One part of my brain that doesn't make sense. And yet the part of my brain that has learned through experience what faith is all about. It makes perfect sense. Paul, Paul prays right where he's at, and he prays for God to open doors, to share the good news in a clear way. And we read over and over in the Bible that even when he's in chains and imprisoned or under house arrest, he shares the gospel to whoever shows up. He shares how God has made a difference in his life. And I bet to some of those people, they're like, wow, this guy is doing this and he's not free to move about. He's writing this very letter while he's in chains in Rome under house arrest. What does he do or what is he able to do right where he's at? Well, God actually opens the way for him to continue his work. He not only writes this letter, he writes Ephesians and Philippians and Philemon and he thinks about other impacts and he speaks to people who come to that house and he talks to some of, his, some of the people who have imprisoned him or are watching over him and he continues to have a significant impact right where he is at. Far more than we would ever think he could. He doesn't sit back complaining or bickering or throwing a pity party, oh, whoa well, is me, why am I I can't do anything, I'm all bound up. I can't do anything in Rome, I'm under house arrest. I've got my little electronic tracking bracelet on my ankle. What could I possibly do for God? He doesn't do that. Instead, he gets on getting on with all that God has for him. Sometimes our instinct is the opposite. God, I love you. I want to serve you. But why am I here? Why am I not there or over there? That looks so much more exciting and promising. And God might be saying, can you be faithful right where you are? Show me that you can do that. And I'll show you what I can do. The very end of Acts, Acts 28, verses 30 and 31, it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. It wasn't even provided for him. He was paying for it. He welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He knew it was God's will, and so nothing was going to stop him from that work. Opportunities are all around us if we would only stop to see. I want to share just one interesting opportunity that I came across recently. This past April, about three months ago, some of the most current research came out from the Barna Group. They're one of the big groups, they're a, a nonprofit, nonpartisan group that collects a lot of research. And they released some of the most current research about religious trends in teens and young adults, what we would call as Gen Z. And they found out some very interesting things. These are people roughly 13 years of age up to about 28. What they found is that among many U.S. teens and young adults, there is a high motivation to learn about Jesus. Whether someone is already a Christian, whether they are somewhat or maybe they culturally identify as a Christian, or whether they're not a Christian yet. There was still found to be a high motivation to learn about Jesus, and because of some of these and some of the other results, they felt that it was appropriate to call Gen Z the open generation, a generation more open to spirituality and even learning about Jesus although not as open to the role of the big C church because of the ways that the big C church has wounded and hurt people and not asked for forgiveness. Overall, in the people that they surveyed, Jesus was seen to be one who offered hope to people. He was one who cares about people. And he was considered trustworthy whether someone had a faith connection or not. So you can see the open generation. Now why is this important? Because another piece of research also showed that only about one third of this generation feel deeply cared for by people around them or that they have someone who believes in them. So not only is this this characterized as an open generation but it's also a generation craving relational connection this is something that actually the big C church can offer if we would commit to it only one third of adults aged 18 to 35 agreed with that phrase I often feel deeply cared for by those around me or I often feel someone believes in me church there is work to do To connect with people face to face and not screen to screen. That's why we sang that song face to face. I see this as an opportunity. This is just one example and one opportunity. And if you want to read more of the of this particular research, it's cutting edge. It just came out this year, a couple months ago. There's a whole big long article that goes through a lot more detail than this morning. This is an opportunity I feel to develop relational connection to come alongside a generation who is open to Jesus and hungry to connect. This is just one current example in our midst. The question I ask us is where has God placed you right now? How is he calling you to be faithful right where you are with the people that he has placed in your path, whether it's your friends, other family members, co-workers? That is mission work, my friends. Relational evangelism, if you will. Who has he placed next to you as an opportunity, not just as an irritant? Sometimes those same irritating people are the opportunity for us. I'll be honest. One last thing this morning. In addition to being faithful where we are. Because of that, and because of that relational connection piece, Paul ends by saying this, be wise in how you live. There are many ways that followers of Christ can turn people off to the life-changing power of Jesus. And there are many ways that we can be wise in how we act. As Paul says, making the most of every opportunity. He says, make sure your words are full of grace. Okay? It's okay, we can close our eyes for a moment. You know, we understand... Some of our words are not full of grace. Lord, forgive us. He encourages us, make sure your words are full of grace. I would expand that a little bit to say that our actions are full of grace, seasoned with salt. We've talked about salt before. We know that salt was actually more, it was a more valuable commodity than gold was in the ancient world. Not only used to season food, but it preserved things. It was used to help heal wounds. It had all sorts of functions in the ancient world. When we live in wise ways, what comes out of us are words that help build people up. Words that cause them to lean in and take interest. Just like if you eat a bland meal, it's forgettable. If you eat a meal that's properly seasoned, it leaves you wanting more. When you speak in ways that are full of grace and seasoned with salt, it's interesting. People want to lean in. They want to hear more. If your words are seasoned with something else, that also has an effect. And it can have the effect... Of turning people off and closing their ears for good are we quick to judge or to speak without thinking do we lift up the name and way of Christ by how we live and act and behave and are seen by the world around us are we wise in the ways we are reflecting how Christ has made a difference in our life or Instead of seasoned with salt, are we salty? Are we full? I know. There's a difference between being snarky and smart and salty. We're all salty a bit too. Are we full of grace? Are we full of anger and hate and judgment? All of which I would say are not wise demonstrations of the love of Christ to our world. Regular prayer helps deepen us in this way Be wise in how you live. I'm not going to tell you how to live. Paul didn't even say that very often. He said, Be wise in how you live. And how are we wise? We seek the wisdom of the Lord in prayer. Let us be people then as we conclude who are on the lookout for opportunity. Opportunities to live the gospel through our lives. See when Paul says proclaim the gospel or even sometimes uses the word preach preach the gospel often that is that is in how you are living. Sometimes it will involve words, but not always. I want to encourage all of us to not let the many distractions in our world draw us away from the Lord. Pray that God would open doors for you with your friends and family and the many people that he places in your path. Let us be a people who see and listen to the stories and experiences of other people in our lives and speak words of wisdom when the opportunity arises. Let us be a people who are known by the way we love God, love each other, and love those whom God has put around us. I close with this verse that we shared last week from Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's pray. Father, I pray that now that you will not only receive our prayer but that you would open our eyes and help us to take hold of the opportunities that you give to us. Maybe we have that one person in our life that you've placed a special burden on our heart. Maybe we're the one to reach them and maybe not. We don't always know. But will you help us to boldly proclaim the gospel with how we live our life? May how we live be a reflection of your love and your work in us. We pray this humbly and in gratitude. And the church said, amen. Amen. Church, as we prepare to go, receive the benediction. May the Lord of heaven and earth bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go now into the world to love and serve him. Amen, amen. Have a wonderful week, church.